I'm Andrew Smith. This is Today in Church History, a place where we're reminded that history is truly his story. History is the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. Today is Thursday, May 16th, 2019. But on this day in history, May 16, 1945, one of the most renowned Bible expositors of the 20th century died. We know him simply as G. Campbell Morgan, but his given name was George Campbell Morgan. Morgan, born in 1863, was the son of a Baptist minister. When Morgan was 10 years old, the well-known evangelist D.L. Moody traveled to England where Morgan heard him preach. Moody left such an impression upon him that three years later, at the age of 13, Morgan began preaching himself. By his latter teenage years, he was preaching regularly in village churches around England. Morgan originally was educated to be a teacher and had no formal theological training for ministry. Nevertheless, this man was a man born to preach. If there was ever a minister that was consumed with preaching, it was Morgan. His expository preaching had wide influence both in England and the United States. Morgan's active preaching ministry was over 60 years long. Morgan was a pastor, serving two stints at Westminster Chapel, the second of which ended with Martin Lloyd-Jones taking over, but not before he and Morgan shared the pulpit at Westminster for several years. But Morgan was also an itinerant preacher for a number of years in the United States, from about 1919 to 1932. He also served as a Bible lecturer for D.L. Moody, he was a college president, and he also taught Bible classes at Los Angeles Bible Institute. A famous minister and theologian of Morgan's day tells how his attendance at Morgan's meetings in Baltimore affected him. He said, and I quote, Still vivid in my mind are those winter afternoons in Baltimore when I heard Dr. Morgan unfold the opening chapters of Luke's gospel. We felt a tenseness, a magnetic pull, an atmosphere saturated with terrific intensity. Our souls were confronted with eternal and transforming truths that sent us out of that sanctuary cleansed, ennobled, and determined to go back to the book, end quote. Now, there are several features of his life that provide encouragement and incentive for expository preachers today. I'd just like to briefly outline five of them. The first feature of his life and ministry was the time he invested in sermon preparation. When asked one time what his method of sermon preparation was by another minister, Morgan responded by saying that he didn't want to know, and if he did, he wouldn't be willing to do what Morgan himself did. He then told the minister that he never preached through a book without reading it at least 40 to 50 times all the way through out loud. Observed by those who stayed with him, he rose early in the morning and was at his study by 5.30. His son said he was the hardest working preacher he ever knew by far. He said, and I quote, No man ever worked harder than my father. One who spoke of the marvelous simplicity and lucidity of his interpreting scripture little realized the amount of painstaking work and study involved. Sometimes failure makes us work harder. Such was likely the case with Morgan, who in his 20s failed his trial sermon to serve in the Methodist Church. He was eventually ordained in the Congregational Church, but he never forgot that event and thanked God for it, saying that God took his feet in another direction. In a scholarly article written during Morgan's own day in a seminary journal, one author says this about Morgan's preparation for sermons. After having selected a text, Morgan would read the entire book in which it was found as many as 40 or 50 times. Then he was able to feel the scope, the main structure of the book. 
This was done before he took his pencil in hand to put down the outline of the general movements of the book. For Morgan believed the minister's work should first be original, and afterward he should consult the commentaries. This first-hand study was done in a number of translations. More than any other, however, he valued the American Revised Version as being most accurate in light of recent manuscript discoveries, and more trustworthy than one-man translations for a committee of men checked on each other's works. Morgan's many readings and intense study of his text resulted in a familiarity with the subject that produced interest and conviction in his audience. Speaking in reference to Morgan, one of his students, Dr. Horace M. Taylor, said, and I quote, Failure to convince comes from unfamiliarity with one's subject. One must be so familiar with an author as to see life from that author's viewpoint. Many fail because they pick the lesser themes and inadequately prepare. Infinity cannot be magnified by mediocrity. Dr. Taylor's statement was in agreement with Morgan's own belief that mastery of the Bible could be achieved only by a persistent study of the Word on the part of the minister. This seemed to Morgan to be so obvious as to need no argument, and yet he observed that it was at this very point that many failed. But there was a second feature in his life that comes behind his time investment in sermon preparation, and that has to do with his love for the lost. The impact of Evangelist D.L. Moody on his life as a young man, as well as his later association with Moody during his adulthood, reveals Morgan's love for the lost. His favorite section of scripture to preach from was the Gospels. He believed placing Jesus before his people was critical. Morgan was an evangelist at heart. His itinerant ministry placed him before many lost people, some of which were connected to the church but still unregenerate. This reminds us that every preacher must make the gospel central in every sermon. We simply never know who is yet unsaved who is listening. This goes for the churches we pastor as well. The third feature that I'd like to highlight is simply his love for preaching. Morgan was known for preaching long sermons. He preached for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. Tall, lean, and committed to explaining the Bible, Morgan was relentless in the pulpit. He preached anywhere they would take him. He crossed the Atlantic 54 times to minister the Word of God. Morgan said, and I quote, The supreme work of the Christian minister is the work of preaching. This is a day in which one of our great perils is that of doing a thousand little things to the neglect of the one thing, which is preaching, end quote. Now, it is my belief that ministers would do well to follow Morgan's example. Ministers should look for and accept opportunities to preach in various contexts, whether it be funerals, school chapel services, other churches, conferences, on the mission field, and even in nursing homes, just to name a few. A preacher is called to preach, and he should do so often, as often as possible. Campbell noted, and I quote, Nothing is more needed among preachers today than that we should have the courage to shake ourselves free from the thousand and one trivialities in which we are asked to waste our time and strength, and resolutely return to the apostolic ideal which made necessary the office of the diaconate. We must resolve that we will continue steadfastly in prayer and in the ministry of the word, end quote. Morgan was a meticulous reader, note-taker, and organizer. He prepared a brief to take with him into the pulpit, but those notes were scant. Even still, Morgan painstakingly organized his sermon around main points and subpoints with the artistic flair of alliteration. His goal, as he put it, was simplicity and clarity for the listener. I've had the privilege of seeing some of these notes of Morgan. They are hard to read, they are written on small paper, and this explains the breadth of his mind. As Morgan committed himself in the study, his sermon was simply an overflow of everything that he studied. He didn't need a lot of notes in the pulpit because his mind was so full of information that it just flowed. The fourth feature I'd like to highlight is Morgan's relentless commitment to Scripture. 
It has been said of Morgan by Martin Lloyd-Jones, who pastored with him and knew him well, that Morgan's preaching was far more devotional than doctrinal. Even still, Lloyd-Jones appreciated his commitment to scripture and exposition. One person who heard Morgan preach on a regular basis remarked of him, and I quote, He gets more out of a familiar passage of scripture that I did not know was there than any man I have ever heard preach. Another famous preacher of the day said of him, His one aim is to let the Bible tell its own eternal message. In that work, he has a genius that is incomparable. But Morgan was honest about his doubts as to the truthfulness to Scripture during his latter teenage years. In a struggle similar to one Billy Graham would have much later, Morgan studied both sides of the subject, both those who said God's word could be trusted and those who did not. It got so bad that Morgan quit preaching for a couple of years, canceling all preaching engagements. Finally, he locked all his books in a cupboard, headed down to a bookstore, and bought a brand new Bible. He decided that he would study the Bible alone, objectively. If he came to the conclusion that it was God's Word, then it must be God's Word. This is what Morgan himself said, and I quote, I am no longer sure that this is what my father claims it to be, the Word of God. But of this I am sure. If it be the Word of God, and if I come to it with an unprejudiced and open mind, it will bring assurance to my soul itself. That Bible found me, he said. I began to read and study it in 1883. I have been a student ever since, and I still am. Morgan goes on to say, This experience is what at last took me back into the work of preaching and into the work of ministry. I soon found foothold enough to begin to preach, and from that time I went on. Quote. Out of that experience grew a passion to explain God's word in such a manner that people would be convinced that it was God's word. Morgan had a love for scripture, and he wanted other people to love scripture as much as he did. Evangelist Carl B. Haynes heard Morgan in New York City at the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church preach. This is what he said. When I finally managed to crowd my way into the gallery at the opening meeting, I found 2,500 people had gathered. Most of them had Bibles and notebooks, which deeply impressed me. Dr. Morgan was given a simple introduction and then came to the pulpit. He had no graces of gesture, no showy eloquence, and no spectacular delivery. He used no charts or blackboard, no pictures, no screen, no gadgets of any kind. His dress was simple, nothing to attract or divert attention. His tremendous power was what he did with the Word of God. In five minutes, I was in another world, and not because of any elocution or charm of speech. I forgot the people around me, forgot the speaker, forgot everything but the wonders of the world into which I had been led. I went home dazed with wonder and the effectiveness of the Bible alone as the source of convincing preaching." The fifth feature that I'd like to highlight was Morgan's love for the universal body of Christ. Morgan's willingness to preach at different venues may have simply been due to his love for preaching, but it could also be said that he willingly preached in various contexts because he had a love for the universal body of Christ. During his life, Campbell joined arms with Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, and Congregationalists, just to name a few. Crowds were so large to hear him preach that police were often required for crowd control. Morgan desired to minister God's word to God's people no matter where they were and who they were. There are many lessons to learn from the life of G. Campbell Morgan. This podcast has only mentioned a few. But remembering history is important because remembering history helps us see what God has done and what God can do. He can use a preacher who failed his trial sermon to become one of the most influential Bible expositors of the 20th century.
History is truly his story. It's the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Today in Church History. You can visit my website, www.heartaflame.org, for more podcasts and articles. You can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter for updates on new material. Finally, you can subscribe to this podcast by searching for Today in Church History. Now, the word history in that title is H-I-S hyphen S-T-O-R-Y. Today in Church History. You can search for it in Apple iTunes. Until next week, I'm your host, Andrew Smith.